This is Regarding Research, a look at what Auburn University College of Liberal Arts faculty do outside of the classroom. Faculty research enhances knowledge and provides innovative solutions in a variety of fields and disciplines. It takes the form of books, journal articles, creative performances, art, and so much more. This episode features Dr. John Rapp, a professor of psychology, director of the Applied Behavior Analysis Master's Program, and project director of the Alabama Psychiatric Medicine Review Team. Victoria Santos of the Office of External Affairs recently sat down with John to discuss his research on children and adolescents with autism, as well as the bill recently signed in Alabama requiring certain health benefit plans to include applied behavior analysis. My path has sort of been an interesting one. Um, Way back in the 90s, I actually started off having an interest in severe problem behavior um, displayed by individuals with developmental disabilities, uh, forms of aggression and self-injurious behavior. Uh, Over the course of time, it morphed into uh, having a research interest in some of the areas we'll talk about in a few minutes, but repetitive behaviors are stereotype behaviors displayed by individuals with autism spectrum disorder. So it's sort of a long journey from going from dealing with really severe behavior to dealing with behavior that sort of is is symptomatic of autism spectrum disorder. Well, um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, you hear a lot about autism and the spectrum. How how do you define autism? If somebody is looking at their child and and wondering about, you know, what, how do they fit in on Mm -hmm. that spectrum? Well, as as a behavior analyst, we don't do much diagnosis, but I can tell you what I know our, you know, our colleagues in clinical psychology who do the diagnosis, they're looking at you know, the, the DSM-5 and looking at pretty specific criteria. And there's sort of three general areas, uh, communication, socialization, and then this engagement in sort of stereotyped or repetitive or rest- what they call restricted behaviors. So uh, two of those areas happen to be things that I've developed research interests in. So for example, uh, there's research showing now that as early as two years old, they can detect the probability of, of autism spectrum disorder based upon low levels of eye contact with a mother. And likewise, uh, on the other side of that, with respect to these repetitive behaviors that almost all typically developing kids display repetitive behaviors, hand flapping, body rocking, head movements, you know, torso movements. But what distinguishes typically developing kids from kids with autism spectrum disorders, they generally, typically developing kids start doing it less and less and then start allocating their behavior, if you will, to other things that are more social, whereas kids who develop autism spectrum disorder uh, keep spending more and more time doing those kind of things, so repetitive vocalizing, hand flapping. And so those two things together, generally, if you're looking at low levels of eye contact and high levels of uh, these repetitive body movements, pretty well predicts that you may very well have somebody who, who may develop autism spectrum disorder. Can you um, tell us what brought you to Auburn? I know you said in the 90s you were um, kind of looking at these different disorders and and, and I'm just so curious I've, about I've your So I bounced path. around a little bit, you know, straight out of uh, training at the University of Florida. I ended up taking a clinical position for severe behavior disorders outside of Houston for about three years. And after that, I uh, transitioned to a faculty position at St. Cloud State University in, in Minnesota in a behavior analysis program. And after being there about seven years, I was recruited by, by this department, who the outgoing uh, program director moved on to becoming the director of the, or the CEO, rather, of the Behavior Analysis Certification Board. And thus, I came in and, and took his position. And of course, somebody who goes on to be this, the CEO of the Certification Board already had a very solid program under, under his belt. And so I got to assume a program with a very good reputation. Can you tell us a little bit about the program and, and what your role is as the director and kind of what you do? 
Yeah, well, I find my role constantly changing, actually. But, you know, in, in part and parcel, some of the things I do is I help in student recruitment, and we get uh, applications from all over the country. And we have, I think, in the four years I've been the director, we've accepted students from 26 different states, uh, some international as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm on the recruitment side of things. I'm obviously trying to get students interested in my research. Um, and so recruiting students who will do those kind of things, uh, eye, research on eye contact, research on stereotypy. Uh, more recently, we've been trying to expand the breadth of behavior analysis. So um, as a director, I've been able to establish a, uh, some contracts with the state of Alabama, one of which, for example, involves decreasing the use of psychotropic medication in the state of Alabama and uh, for kids who are in foster care and replacing the need for psychotropic medications with behavioral interventions. The same behavioral interventions we developed to work with autism spectrum disorders and related neurodevelopmental disabilities work very well for other populations, as we're finding out. So I spent a lot of time looking for those opportunities and then trying to transfer what we learn over to other groups. What, um, and you mentioned, and this is kind of off script, but you mentioned um, trying to recruit students and, and getting them involved in your interest and your mm -hmm. research, obviously. What, what do students typically do with a degree? This, you're talking about undergraduate or graduate? Graduate degree. Graduate degree, so, okay. You know, the, really, the, the professional degree that, that is where you can be employed at some capacity in a, in a real functional way uh, is the master's degree that enables you to get the, the credentials uh, a BCBA or to become a board certified behavior analyst. Uh, to do that, you have to go to a program that is a verified course sequence program like ours, which means the certification board has reviewed your faculty members, has reviewed your coursework, has determined that you will supervise the students accordingly, and that then after they complete that program to the, to the university's satisfaction, can sit for, for a national certification exam. Pass rate typically is about 66% in a given year. We're proud to say that our four-year pass rate is about 97%. That's excellent. So with that degree, our, our students are employed in any number of capacities. According to the certification board, uh, a high percentage of BCBAs from all programs, about 70%, is employed in the autism spectrum disorder service delivery capacity, which means they're developing programs for, for children with autism, but uh, individuals can work for, for uh like, for example, State uh, Department of Human Resources, like I do in Alabama. Some work in hospitals. Uh, many work in schools. So the, the, the number of potential placements for board-certified behavior analysts is increasing all the time. It sounds like it might be something that you can be highly selective about in terms of, you know, it sounds like it's a very challenging, but also, you know, if they get through and we have a good pass rate, mm -hmm. you said 97%, which is amazing, um, it sounds like you can be a little bit selective in, in terms of who you accept into the program and then what they go on to be. And how long, how long have you been here? How many years? I started in uh, May of 2013. Um, the program has been in existence from, in a, since about 2003. So it's, it's had a fairly good run. And as, as uh, time goes on, we do have found ourselves in a position to be able to be selective about the students. Of course, I like to say we always look for the best Alabama talent first, and once we get those folks, we start looking outside the state. We'd like to try to keep some here. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Well, and, and I know you were in the um, Auburn Opelika News recently about um, the autism bill. Mm -hmm. 
um, in Alabama, and, and you mentioned, I think, that that was problematic in keeping people in Alabama because of certain restrictions. And can you talk a little bit about the bill and, and how that affects um, families in Alabama yeah. and your I program? can speak to it to some extent. There's certainly a variety of other people who are much more influential in making those things happen. Like, for example, Autism Speaks did a wonderful job as an organization making these things happen. And I'll have to give Paige McKercher, who's the executive director of Alaba, as well as the department head of psychology at Jacksonville State was pivotal in a lot of the developments, uh, probably more so in making sure that there was licensure behind this. So there's the board-certified behavior analyst credential, but in the state of Alabama, we also are now requiring licensure in behavior analysis, which is a slightly just one smaller step uh, beyond certification. But so Dr. McKercher was pivotal in making that happen. And those two things coming together are important because, uh, well, like, uh, how do we say, uh, insurance doesn't want to provide reimbursement for anyone who's not licensed and so it's an additional step beyond just being certified so now that that's been developed I mean it'll it'll take a little while before it takes hold but you know in terms of how it affects our program we're certainly going to be able to keep I think some of the people who graduate from our program in the state of Alabama you know they've been pulled as I oftentimes say to the coast they head to the east coast and the west coast very frequently and I'd like to think we're going to keep a good percentage of them uh, in Alabama, and there's certainly we're going to find out that we're not producing them fast enough, probably, to fill all the needs. But we also have to be careful that we don't try to mass produce behavior analysts who essentially have substandard skill sets. So I think we need to keep track of the fact we need to keep quality control high. And our, I b- like to think our program has been doing that and trying to set the standard for it. We take a small number of students, we take our time with them, we ensure that they're they're ready to uh, make a contribution before they leave our program. And so I think. Uh, between our program and Jacksonville State's, which is one of the other uh, BCBA programs in the state, we'll, you know, we will move carefully in terms of the, the number of students that we produce that can fill this need, but also uh, looking for all the ways that we can to retain our, our, our graduates within the state of Alabama. So can you walk me through the process a little bit about um, if I'm a parent and how do I, how do I utilize ABA and how do, how do I go through the process of uh, a child that I think maybe is autistic or on the spectrum, or what, what do I do? What's the first step? Yeah, it sort of depends on where your starting point is. So we'd like to think that our communication with physicians is getting better, that physicians are now getting a better understanding of who to refer people to. And they're oftentimes the first point of contact for parents uh, who may or may not even notice that there might be some deficits in their child's behavior, that it might be early indicators, like the eye contact piece. Uh, so hopefully what we've done uh, in, in dissemination is that physicians know that they can contact either clinical psychologists or local behavior analysts and, and get those assessments done. And it's really a child clinical psychologist who's going to do type of assessment like an ADOS um, that will indicate that there's a possibility that, that the child may be on the spectrum. And from there, we're looking at uh, getting them in contact with a board-certified behavior analyst. And the nice thing is that the um, the certification board, which is easy to find on the website, has a listing of all folks who are, li- who are certified in every state. So you can go and look by state, you can look by last name, and you can find people who are providers. And from there you go about seeing what services actually can be provided for your child. Is there anything that we haven't asked about ABA in your role in, in, in psychology and Auburn that, you know, anything that ties together that maybe we should well, touch on? I think we're doing some innovative stuff in our, our program in terms of research. So one of the, uh, that's really we, in the past year, we started doing work directly with increasing eye contact. And again, we were very surprised when we look in the literature, given that it's a defining feature of autism spectrum disorder, that there were very few studies that actually outlined how to produce 
higher levels of eye contact. So it's clear that it was deficient, but very few research has had looked directly at procedures for, for increasing that. So I started a collaboration with a group in Toronto, and over the course of about a two or three year study, we were able to track about uh, 25 individuals showing uh, a model of using different procedures for increasing eye contact and showing that it actually maintained over time and that we could get kids to engage in eye contact simply for social interaction as opposed to other things, which uh, we oftentimes had to do to motivate them. Uh, since that time, we've, I've developed a collaboration with one of the other faculty in the Department of Psychology, Dr. Joe Bardeen, who has some very interesting equipment. It's eye tracking equipment. And what we're trying to do is bring kids into his lab. Um, we put superimposed pictures of therapists, or even a picture of you would work. And what we do is the child looks at the screen, and when they make eye contact, with the, with the eyes of the person on the screen, it switches over to a preferred event, for example, like a preferred video. And so what the, the child learns is that you look people in the eye and you get things that you like, and we then, over the course of time, trying to transfer that into other things, just social interactions. So we're pretty early into that process now, but it, it's looking fairly interesting. So uh, that's one area where we think we're being fairly innovative. And, and another is with respect to treating stereotypy, which has been an area of, of my research for about the last 10 years. We are finding that there's a couple different reasons why people generally want to treat those stereotype behaviors, those are repetitive things, repetitive vocalizations, the body rocking, hand flapping. Uh, the two most cited reasons are it, it looks odd to other kids. So a four-year-old child who's sitting on the floor body rocking and hand flapping and vocalizing may not look appealing for another four-year-old to come over and start engaging socially. The other reason is that oftentimes we find that the kids who display those behaviors, they don't learn very well when you put them in instructional settings. So you can start teaching them how to read and write and identify objects, but those behaviors compete. So what we do is try to figure out what it is they're getting, what are they producing by engaging in those behaviors, and we, we put them through a fairly rigorous assessment. And once we can identify the type of stimulation they're getting, it might be motor stimulation, visual stimulation, sort of proprioceptive. We then try to find other items that produce the same thing, and then we provide those items when they do things that we want them to do, like engage academically. And we find that when we do that, it decreases their engagement in those behaviors, increases their engagement in some of those academic behaviors, and we're able to sort of control the same stimulation that they might get. You know, they obviously like it. They're getting something from it. But then we can give it to them under sort of our terms to make sure that they're doing the things that will move them in the direction of, of high, having a higher level of academic and social engagement. Well, it sounds like in addition to your research, the program is actually ahead of its time a little bit in terms of the eye contact and everything you just described. Is there anything else on the horizon for the program itself or anything in research-wise that you're doing that we now, can talk about? Uh, good question there. Uh, <laughs> we are... We now have some space that's been allocated to us uh, by the Department of Psychology to actually have a clinic on campus, and we're in the process of trying to make that happen. We hired a, a clinical assistant professor, uh, Sarah Richling, who's uh, not only in charge of our practicum training now, but then we'll be heading that clinic. And so we hope to have some space where we can have some kids on campus who are receiving services from our graduate students under her direct instruction. So we can hone our skills uh, in terms of how we, we treat kids and their, uh, their issues, those who have autism spectrum disorder and related disabilities, um, but also so we can provide some service to the local community. So we're excited to be able to do that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Is there a time frame for that involved? Well, it's in, it's in the process right now. And Great. Bringing things together is sometimes a little bit unpredictable. 
but um, I'd like to think within the next few months we'll be ready to start taking some clients. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm sure that there's a need in the community and that's going to be a huge help. Regarding Research is produced by the College of Liberal Arts Office of External Affairs. To learn more, please visit us at cla.auburn.edu. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at AU Liberal Arts. I'm Austin Lacey, and thanks for listening.